Hi, I'm Ed Straw. You're listening to the Everything F1 podcast. Driven by fans, for the fans. the Everything F1 podcast. Today, we're previewing the American Grand Prix in the Circuit of the Americas. We're doing that with Tom Horrocks from the Monkey Seat Pod and Ed Straw from the race. Perfect for whetting your appetite for the weekend to come, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we've got Tom Downey. How are you, Tom? Very well, thanks. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, we've got a couple of special guests today from uh, another podcast called The Monkey Seat Pod. We've got Tom Horrocks. How are you, Tom? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming along today to speak to us. No problem. And we've also got one of our recurring guests, uh, Ed Straw. How are you doing, Ed? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah. Um... Preparing to head off to, to the US for the uh, US Grand Prix, so uh, good to get my mind on the uh, on the race with this podcast. Yes, it will be. Uh, put you in the zone for what you're going to report on over the whole weekend. Okay, before we go into the full kind of preview of the race at the Circuit of the Americas, um, let's just have a brief three-line expectations from the weekend. And I will start with our, our new guest, uh, Tom from the Monkey Seat Pod. Um, what, what are your three kind of line expectations from the weekend? Uh, I guess probably um, championship hots up, um, Ferrari versus McLaren, um, and I don't know on the other one really. Um, <laughs> how bad can Has be this time? <laughs> how, how bad can Has be at yeah. home? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, <laughs> well, we'll try. And, well, well, I'm sure we'll see that at the weekend as the weekend unfolds. Uh, Tom, you got three uh, three line expectations from the weekend. Yeah, um, fairly sort of typical for this season, Ham versus Max, because um, he's going to hot up. The second one I'd say is Battle of the Midfield Intensifies, and the last one I'd say has home race woes. <laughs> you're, cu- you're copying your boyfriend there. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go to someone unique. Let's let's see what Ed has, has to say about the weekend. Have you got kind of three line expectations for the weekend? Well, I'm going to be very unoriginal and uh, look at the championship for the first one, which is basically asking how close could it be, because this one could be a relatively tight one. Uh, the second mm-hmm. one's probably what role the number twos play, what can Bottas and Perez do. Uh, there's going to come points in the last six races where they're, where they're relevant and can uh, and can really influence the title battle. So what can they do? And because I'm pretty much expecting has to be terrible all the time, because that's just where they are. I'll go with where can George Russell qualify? We haven't had a qualifying special for him uh, uh, by his standards for uh, rookie races. So let's see what he can do. Yeah, that'll be good, good to see. Uh, a good, strong performance from uh, George Russell. OK, well, we'll go into that in a uh, second. Uh, we are Everything F1. You are listening to us on our podcast, which is great. Uh, and if you are listening and for the first time, hit that subscribe button and get all of our latest podcasts in your ears first. Uh, and also, if you could give us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. We'd appreciate it so much that we'll read your name out on one of our next shows. You can also find us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've got a Discord server and we're all at the handle at joinef one on all of those social platforms. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. 
Okay, let's head into the Circuit of the Americas preview. Right then, so we've got a big competition between Max and uh, Lewis Hamilton. Obviously, Max is currently the championship leader by six points. Who do we think is going to exit the weekend in, in the prime location of, of the top spot? It's, it's a track, Ed, that, that suits Lewis Hamilton, and he's performed well previously, hasn't he? Can, are you expecting the Mercedes to do well? Yeah, you'd probably just go for Mercedes if you were going to make predictions, which is a dangerous game this year. That's primarily because their recent form has been good. Turkey was particularly interesting because on paper that was mm. a track that could be quite, quite balanced between the two. There were some unique circumstances there the track surface and some problems that Red Bull were having. But I just wonder if the Mercedes should be in, in pretty good shape. It's, it's got a strange circuit coater for, for good reasons, because it's got that fast sweeping section at the start, then the, the kind of the overtaking section in the middle, the, the long straight, and then the last sectors mostly second and third gear apart from the, uh, the penultimate corner. So it's one of those ones mm. where it should have and flow across the lap. But yeah, it's it's been a Mercedes stronghold. They've only failed to win once in the hybrid era, and even then they're on pole that year. Mm. So, yeah, history doesn't count for a great deal. But based on current trends, you say that yeah, Hamilton and Mercedes are favourites. Just, but it's so close it, it could it could swing based on you know just a just point one of a percent of performance one way or the other, <laughs> and, and suddenly it's it's Red Bull. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's obviously a lot of kind of whispers about the Mercedes having extra power over the last couple of races. Uh, have you heard uh, any any evidence to suggest that that is the case, Ed? Oh, if anything, they've been struggling a bit with the engines because of uh, the, the reliability problems, although it's more mm. related to, to a materials weakness, from what I understand, rather than it's not something you you can run it more conservatively and, and save it, as it were. But yeah, there have been accusations one way or the other on engines all season. I don't think Mercedes do anything particularly unusual. They are strong on the straights, but they've got a slightly less draggy car because they've got a car that's got slightly less peak downfall. So that's kind of where the car concepts are at as well, which which plays a part. Certainly, yeah, the Mercedes engine's strong. So is so the Honda. So uh, yeah, I, d- I don't think that should be quite as big a talking point as it is. Certainly not in terms of suggesting there's any wrongdoing going on there. Red Bull had a bit of a go at that with their questioning of the, the plenum setup that they, they got the Mercedes early this year. There wasn't really any interest in that from the FIA. So, yeah, all's fair on that side. And I think that just reflects, yeah, the relative strengths of the cars at, at this stage. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, you, you, would, you wouldn't be Christian Horn if he wasn't kind of sticking his, his, his foot in somewhere and trying to, you know, make a bit of noise. Uh, what, what are you expecting? Uh, we'll go to Tom Horrocks. We've got two Toms today, so it's, it's, it's confusing for me. <laughs> but Tom Horrocks, uh, are you expecting strong Mercedes or do you think Max will, will kind of come into his own and show his more mature head that he's had this year. Yeah, I am expecting it to be uh, to be a Mercedes uh, Mercedes dominant. Not so, well, not so much dominant. Certainly, they'll have the advantage. Uh, the uh, with regards mm. to what we're discussing about the increased power of the Mercedes, it's it's only what Red Bull were doing at the start of the season. Mercedes had similar questions about how Red Bull were able to make gains based on on the back of uh, what were alleged to not be performance upgrades, yet they seem to get more power. So I imagine they've probably just clocked onto what Red Bull were doing with a mm-hmm. with a legal loophole with regards to making parts more reliable uh, and then that gain more power. And then they've managed to filter that through to their own engine. So And then they're, they're now getting those benefits that Red Bull had at the start of the season. And uh, I think that, say, at the start of the season, Red Bull clearly had the better car 
Uh, Mercedes had a more drivable car, and, uh, and and now they've they've got to this point in the season. I think Mercedes have now uh, have got the very slight advantage overall, which uh, which firmly puts it in Hamilton's uh, in Hamilton's hands for this for this race. Provided, of course, we don't get any more engine penalties if uh, if they have pushed it a little bit too far uh, on the reliability front. Um, putting too much risk in there so it's uh it's I, th- I think another engine penalty would potentially be disastrous for Hamilton uh we were talking about how you know, could he go to the end of the season without a penalty he's taken a penalty and now we're saying is he going to take another penalty so uh, I think that would be disastrous I, th- I think Red Bull are, are good till the end of the season now and Hamilton really needs to if he wants to if he wants to keep that championship fight up it's uh it I think the constructors is uh it's Mercedes to lose because Perish just doesn't seem to be quite quite on uh, on form yet but uh, but uh, Verstappen is definitely in the box seat if Hamilton does have reliability issues. Well let's not forget Valtteri Bottas though because he's performed great uh, and scored actually more points than both Max and Lewis uh, since signing that contract with Alpha um, so he, he could potentially take take it from both of them couldn't he? Uh, he could. He was obviously the last person to win at Circuit of the Americas as well in 2019. We, obviously, we weren't here last yeah. year. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, a rare race when he actually overtook Hamilton on track twice in, in that race as well. And uh, obviously, he had a massive tyre delta as well. But uh, and yeah, he, he does seem to be on better form at the moment. But we've got to take into account as well, Hamilton has had an engine penalty. Verstappen's had an engine penalty. And they've both wiped each other mm-hmm. out in Monza. So the fact that Bottas has scored the most points is slightly, uh, slightly inflated there, in, in my opinion. But he's definitely driving with a freedom now that he hasn't had all season so uh he's got i don't think he's got a chance of winning the race if hamilton is behind him for obvious reasons but uh if if max is uh if max is in front of lewis then valtteri has definitely got a chance of the the alternate strategy paying off and uh and finding himself in a fortuitous position and then holding out for a victory uh to take those points away from verstappen but as i said that's only going to be if uh, if verstappen is the car directly behind him okay okay well i see what you're saying um We'll have your input as well, uh, Tom Downey, um, on the the, the front-running teams of Mercedes and Red Bull. What are you expecting from the from both teams? Um, I think if you're going on the basis of momentum, you would have to back Mercedes, but I don't think there's an awful lot in it at the moment because the the two teams are so sort of like they're so close this year in terms of competition. It's like every race feels like there's a pendulum swinging back and forth between them and sometimes just wipe both of them out. <laughs> but um, but it, it 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 really is too close to call this year. I would probably say Mercedes, based on the fact that they've won the last two races and obviously both of their drivers have won the last two races. Because mm. um, the last time Verstappen won was... Was it Zandvoort, his home race? Yeah. I've believe it was. So he's gone almost a month without a race win. Granted, we have obviously had weeks off for all the rest of it in between. Um, and Hamilton has gone pretty well around this circuit in the past. It is one of his most successful circuits. Um, so I would expect Hamilton to go well. I do think the Mercedes will go well as well. That power unit, that Merck power unit, definitely has had a bit of a sort of facelift. Or, you know, it, it's, it's obviously had something... In it, and it it is more punchy than it was. There isn't that two tenths gap that there was in the likes of like Austria and all the rest of it. Because we had a few races where Mercedes were constantly saying we're two tenths slower than um, than Red Bull. And it didn't matter what they did. It didn't matter if if they changed the setup. But you know, if, if they lowered the amount of drag or the rest mm. of it, it does seem like Mercedes have bridged that gap. Um, much like the whole season. It is anybody's game. 
it could be a slight mistake in qualifying. It could be a driver running slightly wide out of the final turn because we've seen it before that that, that final turn encoder is quite tight. And some drivers have understeered wide and put all four wheels off. That could lead to a deleted lap time. Mm. It could be something as minuscule as that, which could cost someone the difference between pole and second place. And then, obviously, if they then if they then start on the bad side of the track, they get a poor launch. It, you know, anything could unfold. But I I would say, as a Verstappen fan through gritted teeth, I would say by a hair's breadth, Mercedes. Okay. Well, let's talk about those second, well, we call them second, I'm, I'm doing the air quotations there, uh, the second drivers. Uh, obviously, Tom Horrocks has mentioned, um, obviously, Perez and Valtteri. Um, I'd like to hear your opinion on, on those two, uh, Ed. How are they going to help their team uh, this weekend? Uh, is Perez going to be able to help his team by putting himself uh, in a decent position on a Saturday, which he has lacked the ability of um, at varying points? He's not really Mr Saturday, he's more Mr Sunday with the overtakes, Uh but do you think he can help the team? Yeah, Saturday's never really been a big strength for Perez, so not compared to his race drives. I don't think we can expect to see anything dramatically different from him uh, mm. over the final few races. He's not going to be suddenly up there with Verstappen, so he's always going to have a little bit more heavy lifting to do in the races. We know yeah. Bottas is going to be stronger on, on the, the Saturdays, and that's, that's pretty much going to be a pattern this season. It's an interesting one because it, I was... Uh, looking at the, the number two drivers and which one has the biggest chance to have an impact and almost feel like Bottas will be a more consistent problem. But Perez for, uh, for Hamilton could be a bigger problem on a given day, shall we say, like we saw in Turkey with his robust defence, which was perfectly legitimate and it, it sort of halted Hamilton's uh, progress after, after that grid penalty. So he did do a good job there. So mm. you know, I'm interested to see whether those two can have big moments where they, they really really are influential. But I, I think at the start of the race, it will generally be Bottas who you'll be thinking, yeah, he's in a good position and, and he could easily be there on the front row with Hamilton this weekend, although it's going to be so close, you could very easily see the staff between him, even if Mercedes is marginally the quicker car. But Bottas is certainly driving well. And mm. I think he's, he's definitely had a weight lifted off his shoulders since his future has been decided. He knows everything that's happening. And the team felt that, even at, at Monza, that, that there was a weight lifted from him and he was driving with a certain freedom, which is positive. And Perez knows he's there next year, so he can have a similar sort of feeling, although he's still got uh, got plenty to prove in, in, in that team. So, yeah, it's the very nature of the... They're the reason those are the number two drivers, because they're not quite as well-rounded as, as Verstappen and Hamilton. A few drivers are. So yeah. if you were to kind of splice Bottas and Perez together... Um, uh, take the best of uh, the best of both of them. You'd, uh, you'd have a driver who's right right up there with them, but, <laughs> but they they can be the kingmaker ultimately because this championship could be decided by a few points. And mm-hmm. Just finishing ahead of your teammates' rival once could make the difference in these last races. Yeah, taking a fastest lap off them, you know, pitting late to get the fresh rubber to do that, um, you know, holding them up for whatever. It's it's it really is as Shay. There could be just a one point in this championship right up until the very end. That's why it's probably one of the most exciting championships we've seen in what a decade. It's got it's got to be two thousand twelve. I'm I'm comparing it to um, probably the last great season. Uh, although two thousand sixteen was was interesting. Okay, well let's move away from the the top two teams because we do speak about them all the time. Let's talk about the McLaren and Ferrari battle. We'll go to you, Tom Horrocks, first. McLaren fan, I'm guessing. 
uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yep, <laughs> unashamedly. I'm just I'm not wearing my uh, my my McLaren Golf uh, hoodie today, which uh, is is the is the clothing of choice at the moment. Uh, having having finally got hold of one, but uh, yeah, big big McLaren fan. But I am nervous. I am nervous. I think Ferrari have had the better car for most of the season, but McLaren have made the uh, made the better. Uh, better choices, the better strategic calls, uh, and the, the peaks of Lando Norris have just been phenomenal, and it's been really been masking the underachievement of Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, in Ferrari, you've got two drivers that are that are incredibly evenly matched. You've got Carlos Sainz that just doesn't seem to make mistakes, and you've got a demon qualifier in Charles Leclerc, and someone who's got mm. some great race pace. Uh, that Ferrari package with the now they're taking the engine penalties, the, uh, the the overall package seems to be much stronger than the McLaren. And given that they're only seven and a half points behind, it's uh, it's going to be difficult to hold on to that third place for McLaren. Uh, looking at this track, uh, I, I think it's probably going to suit the Ferrari slightly slightly more. It's uh, so there's some long sweeping corners in the first sector are definitely uh, uh, I would say more more Ferrari territory than McLaren. They seem to be struggling in that area. And I think mm. Charles Leclerc has shown he's got pace around this track as well in the past. Uh, so I, I think it's it's definitely, I, I think a Ferrari podium would not be out of the question in this race here. Uh, I'm just hoping that Lando Norris can uh, can pull something out of the bag and that Daniel Ricciardo can at least be on par with the Ferraris because at, at the moment, you know, where, where Perez is potentially losing the Constructors' Championship for Red Bull, Ricciardo is potentially losing third for McLaren. Um, I don't think it's mm. going to be the be-all and end-all, though. I do think that uh, um, third and fourth, for, if you'd have said to McLaren, start the season third or fourth in the in the championship, they'd have been happy with that. If you said to Ferrari, third and fourth, given where they were last year, they'd have been happy with that. I'm pretty sure both teams, it's not going to it's not gonna change their plans for next season, whether they come third or fourth. So it's it's just more for bragging rights. Seven and a half points in it currently, um, with uh, McLaren being the uh, the, the current uh, leaders uh, in that championship. Uh, Ed, should we go go back to you uh, about what your thoughts are between Ferrari and McLaren this weekend? Yeah, it generally swings with the track characteristics. So we've seen McLaren were stronger at Sochi and Monza, so slightly more air efficiency circuits, uh, if you like, struggled more at uh, Zandvoort and, and Istanbul with a slightly longer duration, longer radius corners. So, yeah... This track, because it offers a bit of everything, you would probably be feeling quite good about it if you you were Ferrari. But McLaren, by and large, has you probably say been slightly better at maximising the available points. So mm. I think it's going to be interesting in, in in that regard. But Ferrari certainly do have the potential with the two drivers, given that Daniel Ricciardo is still struggling. You feel that that that, that could be the decisive weakness for for McLaren. He's a, he's a fantastic driver, Ricciardo, but it, it's been a really tough season for him. And I don't think we'll see a complete turnaround. Yeah, he had the Monza win, which is a great moment and well executed. But that he, he is the, the weakest of the four drivers on, on their seasonal form there. So I suspect that one will go down to the wire, very likely. And it'll it'll swing with the uh, with the circuits over, over the last six. And I think the Clarence left weekends where they're stronger. And Ferrari will as well, just as we've seen all season, pretty much. Um, what about the inter-team battle between... For the, for the two Ferrari team, uh, drivers. They're having a great season. There's only half a point in it. Charles Leclerc has had, obviously, the worst run of luck out of the pair. Um, have you had any whispers from, from kind of Ferrari? That, that they must be happy with their their driver lineup currently. Yeah, well, they're certainly happy with it. Science is doing exactly what they wanted him to do. He's coming in. He's a very strong teammate for Leclerc. And he's, he's pushing him as well. Obviously, that battle within the team is significant because Leclerc knows he wants to stay on top and be able to have the points to show 
that, that he was ahead of the end of the season and Sykes will want to as well. They, they both know what's at, at stake there. And, and I think that's so far been a fairly constructive battle. Probably the only downside is the fact that led to Sykes crashing a little bit more than you, you'd expect. He's had an unusual number of uh, offs this year. And I think that's partly because he's having to kind of push himself to uh, to match what the clerk can do because we now have, have stunningly quickest. But I think that's been good for... Good for Ferrari, and it's it, obviously Science needs to needs to get a new uh, a new deal because he had a, he's got a two year deal that covers next year. But you would expect him to want that to be extended, probably had it next season. I think he's done everything that could be uh, could be asked of him. But yeah, Science knows what it means to try and uh, try and challenge and be the the number one driver. That's what he'll want to do, and, and he'll want to finish ahead uh, on the points. Inevitably, points can be an unreliable witness, though, and it's never quite that straightforward. It's certainly the case that Clare has had more bad luck, probably yeah. lost the, the Monaco Grand Prix victory, albeit with damage that was caused in a crash that, that he had. But, yeah, that, that's an interesting little little subplot. But overall, the average performance of those two is is a big advantage in the, in the battle with McLaren yeah. because of the Ricardo struggles. Yeah, I agree. Um Tom Downey, we'll go to you now. Can you kind of sum up what your expectations will be between the uh, Alpine and Alpha Tauri? Um, obviously, they're the next set of two competing for the, the fifth and sixth place, um, currently with Alpine being the uh, the victor. What are you expecting from them? With Alpha Tauri, it's, it's probably going to be what we've almost come to expect of them this season. We're going to have Pierre Dasley P6, and we're going to have Yuki Tsunoda P16. <laughs> Um, there always seems to be that ten place gap between them, you know. Or sometimes I've seen Sonoda qualify seventeenth. Um, although obviously last time out in Turkey, he actually I think he made it into Q three and he, he finished. I think he finished in the points. Um, point being, he did very well uh, last time out. Um, Dazzly, I would like to think will have another strong weekend this weekend. He has been very good all season. Um, obviously hasn't scored points in every race, but he has had a very, very good season and would have raised a lot of eyebrows. He's been back on the podium at least once mm. this year. Um, he is, yeah, he's, he's driving beyond that car's capabilities. And it's only, you know, I don't want to go into it too much, but it is, it is only a matter of time before he gets picked up by another top team, surely. With regards to Alpine, um, that is another team that has been very, very sort of, tightly contested or it was really closely mm. matched this year, which I didn't really expect coming in. With Alonso coming back, I thought he'll obviously take a couple of races to settle in. And then when we saw around about Baku onwards, he sort of settled into a routine and he was back familiar with the car and he's very much doing what Alonso does. You know, he's pulling off great moves, great starts, beginning to put that car in places that you wouldn't have expected it to be. But Ocon, whilst he had... Uh, that sort of lull when he signed his contract, he has actually done really well this season, I think. And he has pretty much matched Alonso, certainly on paper. You know, they're very even in terms of points and all the rest of it. So between the two teams, for with regards to who's going to come out victorious in this battle for fifth, Alpha Tauri really needs to know just to step up. And provided nothing horrendous goes wrong with Alpine, I think it's pretty nailed on for them. My one worry about Alpine would be their power unit reliability and their engine reliability as a whole, because we've obviously seen in the past the issues they had, especially when Danny Rick was going through about one a week of Red Bull in his last season. Um, so I'm just wary that they might have to take penalties at some point. Um, but I would, in my opinion, for what it's worth, I would say Alpine will probably come out 
just ahead of Alvatari. I think Gazi will bring home the majority of the points for Alvatari. Tom Horrocks, have you got anything to say about those two teams? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do agree with pretty much everything Tom's just said there. I mean, you, you look at the uh, you look at the point scoring uh, trends of both teams, and and Alpine, although their their peaks haven't been as high as the AlphaTauri team, they're uh, um, they're they're getting double points finishes uh, six races this season, and obviously they've mm. got that win as well. AlphaTauri have only managed a double points finish twice all season which is uh it's just just not good enough with the way that car is that car overall is a quicker car than the alpine but uh, it's the fifth fastest car but it's i don't think it's going to get fifth in the championship because it's just it's just again it's a similar situation you've got uh in in potentially in mclaren and potentially in red bull as well where you just got one driver who's not not pulling their weight points wise and he just needs to get closer to gasly uh it's uh, he he's got that contract for next year he needs to start racing with the freedom that the Bottas has shown um and Ocon is shown that he's he's able to get those bottom end points just keep ticking away whilst uh, whilst Alonso goes for the uh goes for the big scores when he's not when he's not forcing it around the outside and either getting tagged or cutting lots of corners, he's he's getting the uh, he's getting the, uh, the the big points, whereas Ocon's getting the consistently uh, the low points down there as well. Yeah. So I, th- I think Alpine are definitely the favourite there, and uh, and AlphaTauri should hang their heads in shame if they don't come at least fifth in the constructors <laughs> this year. Uh, Ed, well, let's talk about Tsunoda. Obviously, we've got, he he's a great promising young. A driver, uh, he just hasn't seemed to have, uh, have got the knack uh, of the of the cars. Um, obviously, the first race we were like, "Wow, yeah, let's do this more often." Um, and then, kind of, I think since then he hasn't really had many great results. Obviously, I think it was ninth in the last race, um, which is probably you know where one of his best better results of the season. So, what what can you say? Did he deserve his seat next year, um, or or were there other other people that could have come in to to take his place? Because um, Maybe he's not performing to the where he should be. Well, certainly on current performance over the season, he hasn't justified keeping his seat. So he's kept his seat based on the potential that is there, and also the fact that it works for them on various levels to have a Honda driver in there. Still, there, there's some commercial mm. benefits. But Sonoda does have potential. He's he was very surprised by how much more difficult Formula One proved to be. He was pretty confident after Bahrain pre-season testing and. In that first race, he's briefly as low as 17th in that race, but came through to ninth, drove really well. He's had some crashes. The confidence has been been shot. He, he's just not able to drive the car like, like Gasly can. Gasly likes to be quite confident, you know, rotate the rear of the car fairly aggressively on turning, whereas Sonoda just doesn't have the confidence to do that generally. He's, he's just not able to. You saw that in Turkey when, on Friday, Sonoda was actually quite happy with the car when it was quite heavily understeering which inevitably mm. calms the car as long as when it transitions, when they understand when the front end grips, as long as it does it moderately progressively, that's normally okay for the, for the rear. Gazi wasn't happy and then it, it switched as the weekend progressed and Gazi was much happier on Saturday. So that kind of shows the um, partly different dynamics they want in the car, but also partly just how lacking confidence Sonoda is. And yeah, he, 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 they desperately needed to get some points because that car is absolutely the one that should be finishing fifth. This season, Gasly's mm. fighting single-handedly, basically. Um, so they are probably going to lose out to Alpine because of it. Hungary ultimately was a little bit unlucky for AlphaTauri because that was the huge payday for for Alpine. And AlphaTauri, without that, might still have been able to pull it off. They might still. There's only what twelve points between them. But yeah, Sonoda is is the, the weak link. He was promoted probably too early. He benefited from staying in F2 mm. and completing F2, if you like, because he certainly would have been one of the championship favourites. 
uh, this year. That would have helped him. Yeah. But yeah, just 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 not ready for it. A, a little bit of out of his depth. But I hope it comes good for him because there's ability there. But he's going to need to hit the ground running next year to to really show that he can he can deliver at this level. I think he could, but you, you can't really excuse the level of performance. This this is that one you have to deliver, and ultimately he hasn't over the course of this season. He hasn't. Uh... As I say, there is the potential there, and we saw that potential in the first race. It's just a shame he wasn't able to kind of continue that that form. Um, let's go on to one of the other A-named teams, uh, Aston Martin. Um, they're, they're kind of firmly in that position, really. They're not kind of competing with the ones in front, or and there's no one kind of competing. The Williams are, are still 40 points behind them there. Um, we'll go to you, Tom Downey. Uh, Aston Martin, what are, you, what are you expecting from this weekend um, for, from Aston? Probably not an awful lot, to be honest. I mean, you know, let's not be around the bush. They've not been brilliant this year. They've had a couple of decent results, but this weekend, with sort of some of the advances that the teams in front of them have made in terms of development, both car development and engine development, um, I don't think it's going to be a brilliant weekend for them. I don't know if we'll see them into the third round of qualifying. Is I'd say it's unlikely. We might see one of them sneak in if perhaps there's like a red flag or something. But history sort of tells us at Cota that we're less than likely to get even double wave yellow. So a driver has to abort a lap. You know, we're pretty, I'd say we're pretty unlikely to have an incident in qualifying. Um, so on pure pace, I don't think mm. they'll get there. As I always say, a race could change. You know, that, you know, we saw it at Hungary. Obviously, we've seen it. We saw it at Monza last year. Things can happen. You know, people can have accidents, and people can capitalise on safety cars. You know, they can jump positions, all the rest of it. So if that happens, they might get a good haul of points, but I think on pure pace, they're probably not going to get that far. Um, Lance Stroll, people like to give him a hard time, and I think that's a bit unfair. I think, much like Sonoda, he was in F1 a bit too early, um, and he took he's taken a few seasons to settle in. I do think he's a decent driver, and he is still the old F3 champion as well, let's not forget. But it was a big jump from F3 to F1 mm. like that, and obviously he came into that 2018 Williams, which was less than desirable to drive. Um, although he did put off some good, uh, sorry, 2017 even, which is when Williams were just beginning their decline with the new regs of that year. So I, I think Aston certainly need more from Stroll. Um, and Vettel has been, obviously, we all know how good he is. He has been, I'd say, a bit inconsistent this year. He, he has had some very good, you know, some very good high moments. He's had two podiums. You know, take hungry for what you will. Um, but he has also had some very, very low moments. If you look at the accident he had in Bahrain in the first race of the season, and then just a few other times, he's just... If if Aston can stop their drivers driving into each other as well, they might actually get some decent <laughs> points. That's one other thing that you you could probably <laughs> tell, by the way, I interrupted yeah. myself. I just it, I just remembered that in Russia, Stroll nearly put Vettel in the wall. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. To... to Sort of summarise that. I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a brilliant weekend for them. They might sort of be on the cusp of points, but yeah, I'm not expecting big things, sadly. Well, uh, Aston are actually looking for employees. So if you're an undergraduate and you're listening to this, they've got a, a, an advertisement for for jobs for they want obviously undergrads. If you think you can make it, something work for Aston and help them in, in their growth uh, to becoming one of the best teams on the grid. Take take a look. It's well worth it. I looked at the advert myself. It's just unfortunate I'm not an undergraduate. So, uh, but yeah, if if you're an undergrad, grad, by all means, have a look at that because they are looking for people to come and work for them. 
Um, let's move down to uh, Williams then. We'll go to Tom Horrocks to, to, to sum up Williams. Um, George Russell, is he going to perform great this weekend? Well, we, we hope so. And I hope for Latifi as well. It's not it's the closest thing Latifi's got to a home race all season. Uh, he's got two points finishes this year. There's no reason why he, uh, why if the uh, circumstances prevail that uh, he he can't build on that. He's he's definitely improved this season. Uh, we we we're hoping obviously for uh, for George Russell a bit more a bit more Mr. Saturday. Mm. Uh, good uh, good call up in position, but. Uh, Looking at the weather, it looks like it's uh, it's going to be a fairly fairly standard race weekend for with regards to weather that we expect from from Austin. Uh, no no extreme weather this time around. Okay. Uh, very unlikely to to see any rain or anything like that, which is re- realistically Williams's best best hope um, of of those kind of conditions. But they've they've kind of banked eighth place in the championship now, which start the season. Uh, if you'd off- offered them ninth, they probably would have taken it. If you'd offered them eighth, they would have snapped your arm off. And especially you know lo- looking at the. Uh, Looking at that, saying that they would have a podium in there as well uh, for a race that never was, then uh, they would they would be very happy with that. But Latifi has shown that he's not he's not been doing you know not, not amazing results. But he's he's if you look at the, his trend over the season, he's he's only had the one retirement and a couple of classified finishes, and and he seems to be kind of edging closer to the to the points. Um, apart from obviously last race back down to seventeenth, but uh, but it just seems to be edging closer and closer, and then and then a couple of couple of low points finishes, and uh, and so if if the circumstances do prevail, and he does, you know, we saw. Mick Schumacher in Q2 in the last race so if we can see uh, Williams take advantage you know the right the right tyres the right time as Tom said earlier someone uh, who lose a big a a big hitter in Q1 because of a deleted lap time something like Mm. that Uh, we we could see something from the Williams there but it's uh, it's very much going to be a um, taking advantage of a situation as opposed to getting there on genuine pace because on genuine pace they I don't think the car's better than the the Alfa Romeo but uh but it's way ahead on points, and that's down to the way that Williams have operated this year, and the brilliance of one driver in particular as well. So, Ed, have you got anything to say about the uh, the Williams team? Uh, obviously, Tom's kind of summarised quite well, I think. Yeah, basically, they're they're getting better. Still not a super quick car. It still doesn't really belong in Q three as, as occasionally happened this year. That's just down to one driver and Russell getting the most out of it, while others uh, while others aren't able to get the, get the most out of their packages. So. Yeah, with with a fair wind and others underachieving, it's possible to get a Williams mm. into the points as we've seen. But you're still kind of pushing against competitive gravity to to do it. But it is good to see there's just a general progression going on there. They have understood the car more as the season's gone on, which is gently promising for next year. Okay. Well, we'll move on to the two backmarking teams then. Uh, there's seven points in it uh, between the Alfa Romeo uh, and the Haas F1 team. Um, I can't see Haas making waves. Uh, so why don't you summarise uh, Alfa Romeo uh, and, and Kimi Räikkönen's last season um, with the team, uh, Ed? Is, is he is he going to do anything special in America? I wouldn't bet on it in qualifying, certainly, because he's been, he's been struggling in, in qualifying. Mm-hmm. He still puts together decent races, by and large. Uh, so you can always expect he could be someone to put in a decent first lap, get himself in a reasonable position, and potentially maybe threaten the... The points, but but generally Alfa Romeo are incredibly frustrating because if there's a team that's going to have a a radio not working throughout the race, as happened to Giovinazzi in in Russia. If there's going to be a team that tries to fit a tire and go on the air and mm. it to a car in a pit stop, it's going to be Alfa. They've had a lot of operational weaknesses this year. That car's not not too bad. It's not super quick, but mm. to be beaten so much by Williams, it, is, it does not reflect very well on 
the combined effort of that team, which you know does have good people. The car obviously needs more downforce, but it, it seems to be fundamentally relatively honest and true as a car in terms of the way it works. But just too many things go wrong. So I imagine it'll probably be another weekend where if they've got everything right, they might be able to get a point, but they just don't. And again, that happened actually in Turkey because Giovinazzi ignored a couple of team orders to let Reichman pass late on, didn't do so. Mm. And given the closing rate of Reichman before that, there's every chance he'd have picked up Ocon who was going to the end on intermediate. So Alfa Romeo, they're, they're kind of the, the, the opposite of Williams in that Williams gets the most and more out of what they've got, whereas Alfa always seems to produce results that are less than, than the potential. Mm. Well, what have you heard about the, the rumour of the Andretti team coming in to purchase Alfa? And it is, uh, uh, well, purchase Salva. Uh, as it were, is it is it likely to happen, or is it really just that kind of paddock rumor that's probably not actually going to amount to anything? Well, it's certainly real in that it's something that could very well happen and has been talked about seriously. As I understand it, it's not yet done, mm. but it could well be something that that happens. Uh, deals like this are obviously very complicated, and the devil's in the detail. Even if they agree on the the sort of top line price and uh, that they seem to be roughly aligned on that right it doesn't necessarily mean it will happen but yeah it's certainly serious and that also explains why the second driver identity is still uh, up in the air brand new show seemed very very close to it with decent sponsorship I mean, there's still some dispute about whether it should be a one-year deal or a longer term deal but it was leaning that way and it still could go to uh, to, to him but that's kind of all on pause while the future of the team is is settled as i understand it, the ownership don't don't need to sell they're not kind of desperate to sell but they're they're willing to mm. and obviously andretti organization and uh, and their backers are looking at it very seriously so i wouldn't go as far as saying it's set to happen but it's it's a very serious possibility and they're working through it now and as always in these situations they'll either agree on everything and it'll happen or some, it'll break down at some point because they can't quite reach that final agreement but I imagine we'll probably learn quite a bit more over the next couple of weeks. Toto has said it would be a bad move um, for them to do it um, at, at this kind of point, um, going by what next year what might might provide, uh, you know, a more level playing field and whatnot. Um, can you understand where he's coming from from that uh, in that situation? Yeah, to an extent, in that it's a good time to own a Formula One team because of the cost cap, mm. the relatively new Concord agreement, everything's a little bit more sensible. The amount you have to spend is more under control so almost the regulations are going to force Formula One teams to run as profitable businesses which is uh, a little bit alien to them but I think Ross Broad used the phrase saving the teams from themselves which uh, which is what these rules were mm. about so it is a good time to own the Formula One team but that's why the the price is pretty much able to be named by by those selling it right. so I can understand why Andretti as backers would want to buy into a Formula One team that's a great time to acquire one and I can understand also the argument for holding on to it. So that's why you've got to got this situation where there's a, there's a motivated buyer, there's a seller that doesn't have to sell. Mm. So whatever happens, it's going to be a good deal for, for them selling if they do. And it's a great position for, for them to be in. So, yeah, obviously a team needs to do well. So it also partly depends on how confident they are. The team will turn around and produce a, a stronger car and execute things better next year. And we've seen what that team could do in the past so i can see it from from both sides but it, it all depends uh, if if uh, the the owners of, of salva can keep hold of about 20 percent of it which they which they want to mm. then that could be a very good deal they they pull back in the money they've spent on it and then they've still got a good stake in a in a very positive 
business that should have a bright future. So, yeah, I see where he's coming from, but I also see why they might choose to sell. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the final team on the grid. We're not expecting much from the Haas. Um, Tom Downey, what do you what do you think? Are we going to see a another great qualifying from Mick Schumacher? Will he get Will he get that car into Q two again, or was that just a pure fluke? I don't think it was a fluke for Schumacher because he is a decent driver with obviously a lot of heritage with his father and his brother and his his cousin David. Um, so mo- motorsport obviously does run in the blood of that family. Um, but realistically, that Haas is not good. Um, I mean, they'd probably be better off taking the trucks <laughs> that the cars are delivered in around that circuit. They'd probably set a similar lap time. Um, understandably so, because they have said from the outset they're going to put all, all their development into 2022, which is a sensible thing when they've got two rookies, to be honest. Um, I reckon they'll probably be on the back row. We might see um, Schumacher maybe ahead of Latifi or perhaps ahead of one of the Alfa Romeos. We might see him sort of 18th, maybe 17th. But with regards to getting it into Q2 for either of them, I don't think so. And then the other thing that I'm almost anticipating now in the race is at some point, Mazepin is going to be coming down that pit straight and he's going to start edging someone closer and closer and closer to that pit wall. Because we've talked about it time and time again. He did it in F2. He's done it a few times in F1, and I know I keep saying it, and the more I say it, it seems like it's not going to happen. But he's only pushing his luck, and it will happen that he'll put someone into a wall, and there will be an almighty accident. And I fear the yeah. day that happens. So, so Maspin, please don't. Um, and yeah, I, I think for Haas, it's just going to be much like the rest of the season, driving around at the back, even if they do qualify ahead of someone. As, unless there's like a big incident, a bit like in Hungary when Schumacher was actually in in a decent position, where one point one point it looked like he was going to be scoring points. Um, unless we have something like that, I think they're going to be going around by themselves at the back, okay. as per usual. Well, I, we don't we all we don't all need to have a go at Haas. We all pretty much know where they're going to be uh, during the weekend. Um, let me just uh, give you the track, run down the track information then. So we are going to the circuit of the Americas. Uh, the length of the circuit is 5.513 kilometres, total race distance of 308.405 kilometres, and we're getting 56 laps. The current lap record is held by Charles Leclerc, who did it in 2009 in 1 minute 36.169 seconds. Uh, we've been racing there since 2012. And the tyre compounds that you can expect this weekend are the C2, which is the hard white, the C3, the medium yellow, and the C4, the soft red. Your schedule is completely different to what you expect uh, from a race weekend, so you you will need to adjust your times quite considerably. Your times uh, for free practice one uh, on Friday is 5.30pm till 6.30pm. This is UK time. Uh, Free practice two, 9pm till 10pm. Free practice three on the Saturday is 7pm till 8pm qualifying on saturday the 23rd uh, 10 p.m till 11 p.m and then the race on sunday is at 8 p.m so set your calendars where put it, put it wherever you organize your life um that you're going to have a late weekend watching the formula one if you're in the uk obviously if you're in a different country adjust your times accordingly 
So one thing I want to go through for everyone now is just to make a prediction. Obviously, predictions have been really difficult this year because they've all gone against the predictions. Um, but we all we still want to ask you. We're not going to go. All, we used we used to ask for kind of DNFs and all those sort of things. I just want you to predict a one, two, three um, this time. So I'll go to you, uh, Tom Horrocks, because you're at the top uh, on my screen. So I'm picking on you first. One, two, and three from you. Who are you picking? I think I'll stick with the same prediction that I made on uh, on Saturday, which was it's going to be Hamilton, Verstappen and Leclerc. Okay. Tom Downey? I am going to say... I'm going to say Verstappen, Hamilton and Norris. Ed? I'm going to be extremely dull and go Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas. I'm going to go even duller and say Hamilton... Bottas, Verstappen. <laughs> I just think the Mercedes are going to have, uh, have the power this weekend. Um, but that's pretty much our preview for the Circuit of the Americas Grand Prix. And I just want to run through a couple of news items that we've uh, had this week. Um, obviously, the calendar has dropped for 2022, uh, and it's a record-breaking 23-race calendar. Um, now, the person that in uh, in this chat that's probably going to either benefit or feel the feel tired of because of is is ed are you going to be going to all the races next year certainly the vast majority um well it's not exactly how many but yeah it'll be uh, it'll be most so i can afford at least to skip the the odd one but yeah yeah intensive uh intensive schedule no no surprise the concord agreement allows them to go up to 25 races so i right. imagine f1 will get to that level at some point because more races equals uh, more revenue but yeah Hard work, particularly for those doing what I like to call the real work in the uh, in the teams who have to do all yeah. the setup and the teardown and everything. And uh, yeah, that that that's a, a lot of time for them to be to be away, and there's not much downtime during the season for them. So uh, hopefully, teams will take seriously rotation and that kind of thing. Some teams do, some teams uh, don't. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy old season. And were there any surprise tracks that you were surprised not to see and surprised to see? Well, I guess the, the main surprise, I'm not necessarily surprised, but China was obviously going to be on the, the calendar, but it, uh, Imola ended up taking the uh, taking the place because obviously China's quite restricted in terms of people coming in at the moment. But yeah, otherwise, it, yeah. it's broadly what you'd expect. It's it's a calendar that's almost normal now uh, after a few years of uh, extreme strangeness. It's, it's interesting to see that, that places like Imola have been able to convert their standing roles into into a proper deal that's particularly positive for f1 because it means that these places have have found that by having a race they've managed to put together commercial packages that justify continuing to run them so he's been trying to do something as well uh, for the longer term they've talked about trying to do a 10-year uh, deal so they're, they're knocking around as well so that, that's quite positive i think for, for formula one that Imola can make commercial sense of, of a race when for years they couldn't yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Turkey there. Obviously, they're not currently on the calendar for next year. Um, it's it's in flux between Singapore and Turkey on that date, uh, the 30th of September to the 2nd of October. Uh, I guess it, it's up to Singapore to sign the contract and to provide F1 with what F1 would, would like them to provide, I guess. Yeah, which is a, uh, a, a expected to happen for Singapore. And it, it's useful for right. F1 because they've got Turkey on standby, Turkey key. So that's ideal for them, and that they've got a, a ready-made replacement if anything falls over. And obviously, who knows what's going to happen next year in terms of uh, restrictions, etc. We'll hope we can get to all the races. Does that mean that the, the world is uh, in some semblance of semi-normality? But certainly, wouldn't uh, wouldn't count on anything. Mm. 
Tom Horrocks, were you were you happy to see the twenty three way race calendar? Yeah, there was no major surprises. As as Ed said, I was kind of expecting there to be something in there with, with Turkey, uh, but uh, I'm I'm not as well connected as, as some, so uh, no major surprise. I was surprised to see him with the returning, but again, happy that uh, that it is on there because we we've had two interesting races from Imola. We were kind of expecting it to be a bit of a bore fest when it came back on. Uh, but they've been two genuinely interesting races. So um, long with that continue. I really wanted to see a normal dry Turkey Grand Prix uh, just just to see how the modern Formula One cars would work there. We haven't been able to see that. Uh, so we'll have to wait until um, until COVID knocks out some more races next year, which hopefully won't happen. Um, mm-hmm. we've, um, I think it, it makes a little bit more geological sense in the way they've, they've organised it. Uh, still not, not massively. We're still making three trips to America, which just seems a bit odd. Um, but um, but no, it's, it's generally it's okay. Uh, one final hurrah at, at Sochi just to see if that was a fluke last year or if they can generally... Uh, uh, bring bring some good races uh so no genuinely good i mean as with regards to the, the size of the calendar i do have sympathy for those people that have to spend you know f- further away from their from their families uh but i don't see it to much different to how we you know how we saw the like the the way things changed in football where you you had squad rotation come into football and it, it, you just need teams to kind of kind of change to to go with with those modern times and you know we, we mm. look at what's that I, I i might be uh wrong in saying this but i believe nascar is the most popular motorsport in america um and uh, they have a ridiculous amount of races a season i know it's a bit different and the logistics are completely different but i don't think the argument of uh of too many races stands i think it's more logistical challenge of the number of races rather than it being too many um i think too many races is you know more than one in a weekend uh you know, without going into the whole sprint race conversation, that's a completely different conversation. But uh, no, generally uh, very, very happy with it. I think we could, um, I, I'm hoping the new Russian Grand Prix circuit when it's, uh, when it's finished is going to be a decent one. We, mm. we're waiting to see what happens with Miami, see how good that is. Uh, and then, you know, we, we just need, we just need places like France to start offering up a, a good race, which they did this year to be fair to them. So uh, yeah, yeah. Ge- generally it's a, there's, there's no real, there's no real dead wood on there. There's a couple of ones where you're just like, Oh, will it be good? Will it not be good? Um, but generally it's all pretty good. I'm very happy with it. Uh, were there any other news articles that you want to talk about? Uh, so I'll go to Tom Downey first. Have you seen anything that's popped up in the F1 world over the last week that you want to chat about? Um, the only thing which I sort of noticed, which is possibly worth a mention, is um, this weekend's obviously being in the US Grand Prix in the home of NASCAR. Uh, Danny Rick is getting to drive, as promised, the um, the stock car, which Zach Brown said he could drive if we got his first podium. So he's... Um, I don't know when he's taking that out. I'd imagine it'll probably be out on a media day on a Thursday, um, ahead of the ahead of the weekend, or maybe even sort of like as we speak. I don't know, um, but I'd imagine that'll be making mm-hmm. its way onto Sky Sports F1 as a feature at some point. Um, quite looking forward to seeing that. Um, be interesting to see what he says as to how a stock car like that compares to a single seater, which he's used to, because obviously they're very inherently different. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from that, we've already spoken about the calendar. I don't think this. I don't think I've got anything else to add, to be honest. So good luck to uh, Danny Ricardo in uh, a completely different car. Then, mm-hmm. how about you, Ed? Have you got any news articles that you want to speak about? I just think something reminded about uh, Ricardo's one of the NASCAR. It's going to be uh, worth a watch. I'm going to be able to uh, to catch that happening. But yeah, it's been strange recently because things have have kind of quieted down a little bit mm. uh, ahead of this this final run. And obviously, wait and see what happens with with Alfa Romeo. Uh, 
so that that will decide the final seat. So yeah, it's it's gearing up as well towards next year as well. That's where the the real focus is in the team. So I'm sort of eagerly anticipating seeing some 2022 cars, but of course we're still quite a few months away from that. So uh, uh, I think that's uh, that's something I'm going to have to be a little bit patient for. But I think we'll start to see a bit of a, a flurry of interest. Um, uh, and talking points as the season progresses. And I think one of the talking points actually at Austin will be about Colton Herter and the possibility that he could have an F1 future, which is obviously part of the Andretti takeover plan. There's even been some talk it could happen next year. There are some obstacles to that, even if the takeover does happen. Mm. But if it does, I think we can expect to see Herter in F1 by 2023, certainly, which will be interesting to see. And I imagine that will be discussed a bit this weekend. Do you think it'll be too soon next year for Colton Hurts? Do you think he probably maybe needs a couple of tests first to see if it kind of suits his driving style and, and skills or whatever, skill set? Not necessarily. I think if, it, let's say hypothetically it was to happen and he was to be thrown in and they were able to get around, there are some super licence uh, points, challenges that, that would need to be circumvented. But ultimately you could say, well, if we're going to commit to doing it for three or four years with him, then then you can give him the season and just say, we know it's going to be really tough. He's a driver yeah. with a lot of ability. He's intelligent. He'll be able to, to adapt. In normal circumstances, you'd say, yeah, pitching him straight is going to be difficult. But there's so little opportunity to test anyway that ultimately it's not like the old days where you could have a proper preparation year anyway. So if they can make it happen and find a way around the various obstacles, then they, they can throw him in, except it's going to be entirely a learning year as part of a, long, a longer-term project and you'll be in much better shape for... For the following seasons, I think they just have to take the hit and accept it's going to be a, a tough year for him when he does finally drop in. Okay, that's great. Uh, Tom Horrocks, have you got any news articles that you want to speak about? Or Just the one. It's not technically Formula 1 related, but it is on the Formula 1 calendar. It's the uh, W Series finale this weekend. It's their first doubleheader. Uh, it's well well worth a watch. You've got Alice Powell and Jamie Chadwick tied on 109 points apiece fighting out for the championship. So that's definitely going to be worth a watch. Uh, first doubleheader for uh, for W Series this season as well. So, uh, yeah, they've got the first race on the 23rd, second race on the 24th. It's well worth, well worth tuning in for. Uh, you've got Jamie Chadwick, the uh, the incumbent champion and you got Alice Powell um, returning showed a lot of promise as a youngster ran out of budget and then uh, and now she's there trying to uh, trying to take the championship and uh, uh, away from Jamie Chapwick which is uh, she's got a great story and uh, Jamie's obviously got a lot mm. of support up and down uh, up and down the paddock and links to Formula One as well so I'm torn as I'm torn over who I want to win uh, we've uh, we've got links with with Veloce, so uh, part part of me wants her to win for that, but also Alice Powell's got such a great story, and it would be great for her to win as well. So just something to for people to catch up on if they if they're bored of Formula One action, and they want to catch something else. It's well worth a watch. Uh, and something I, I noticed uh, an article that the top eight W Series drivers uh, will be will qualify basically for for next year's W Series as well. Um, so that's that's a positive positive thing for that for those drive those ladies uh heading into the race weekend yeah yeah definitely i i i thought uh i read an article at the start of the season that said that the uh they were adopting the formula two uh style where the champion can't return uh for the following season but um where they said about the top eight qualify for next season i wonder if that's actually been changed i don't know if ed if you know anything about that given your links to the sport i'm not sure about that particular rule unfortunately the main thing is there's only it's only really worth having a champion can't return if there's somewhere for them to go after so I guess that would mm. uh, that would dictate it, um, and as I say, there's no sort of formalised prize that will guarantee advancement, as it were. It'd probably be a, a slightly self-defeating 
prize, I, I would say, certainly logical to allow the, the champion to, to stay on. Mm. Uh, well, I've spoken to Jamie and and Jess Hawkins, actually, from the W Series. Um, and oh, and uh, who else did we speak to? Uh, Abby Eaton, was it? Abby Eaton, yeah. And, and we spoke to Abby Eaton as well. Um, so they, they've, all, they've all said that, that they've actually really enjoying the season. Um, they're hoping to be there next year. Um, obviously, Abby, Abby's a bit further down than that, I think, um, currently. So she's got some work to do, I think. Um, but I think the natural progression that they mentioned would be F3. Um, and then, then obviously moving up the F F ranks to, to F1 if they were ever going to do that. Obviously, I think there are a few drivers that are, they that I think they understand that they're probably not going to reach uh, the pinnacle of the sport. Um, I think they're they're realists in that sense. Um, but you know, F3 that could you could it might be good to see them in an F3 car uh, in the in the coming years. But yeah, but they're just <laughs> yeah. And they're yeah. just like they're slightly underpowered Formula Three cars that they've got at the moment, anyway. So it's not it's not a massive transition to Formula Three from them. Just to say, just a bit more power and a bit, a few more toys. But mm. uh, yeah, it's. Um, uh, I think uh, the great thing about W Series is that it creates careers for women in motorsport. It won't necessarily bring them into Formula One yet, but yeah. it will certainly put, gives them uh, the opportunity to become professional racing drivers in some form. Yeah, absolutely. So good luck to the to, to the ladies for the W Series uh, this weekend. We'll sort, certainly be. Uh, keeping an eye on and watching those races. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Let, come on, let's see a nice title title battle for the last two races. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's... Uh, I, we, we, we always ask these questions then to all of our guests. Uh, Ed, we, you, we asked you at the start of the season. We're going to ask Tom now. Um, Tom, because you're fir- this is your first time on our podcast, who do you think is going to win the season? If you had five English pounds and a bookmaker popped up in front of you and said, give me your money. Who are you going to, who are you going to place your money on? Would it be uh, Max Verstappen to win the championship or would it be Lewis Hamilton to win the championship? If you asked me seven days ago, I say Verstappen for the driver's championship and Mercedes for the constructors. But uh, now I'm I'm saying it's going to be a complete clean sweep for Mercedes in the uh, turbo hybrid era. And uh, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see another double championship from them. Okay. Okay. Well, they heard it here first from the from the monkey seat pod. Uh, Tom <laughs> Horrocks thinks that, that that Lewis Hamilton's going to win both for Mercedes and himself. Uh, is there anything that what what has what has kind of swayed you after in those seven days? Was it the sheer power performance from Mercedes uh, in the last track? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's more the fact that Mercedes do now seem to have the better car, which is something that I just didn't see happening uh, at the start of the season. Red Bull, they they had the best car; they should have made it count. And uh, at the end of the season, when it when it comes to it, if they've uh, if they don't win the championship, it's you know to, to come out of the first four races of the season and not be leading the championship with that car advantage they had was uh, was was pretty bad. And then obviously they uh, with the double win in Austria, it looked like you know we were saying oh the championship could be uh, could be over races in advance then we had the coming together in uh, in Silverstone the coming together in uh, in uh, in Monza and it's brought Mercedes straight back into it and now they're in a position where they're, they're very evenly matched but I think Mercedes have the very slight advantage it is going to ebb and flow but given that uh, Hamilton's been involved in five title deciding races uh, at the end of the season and Verstappen hasn't ever been in one uh, I just think that Hamilton's just going to have the edge on that I mean Verstappen's got this 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 great um, this great attitude this season where he's just going in taking it race by race and doesn't seem to be phased by anything which is which is admirable um, but I, ju- I just think that when it comes down to it on this 50-50 two cars um, very evenly matched 
looking at the races that are left, it's it's going to ebb and flow between the two cars. Uh, I just think that Mercedes are just going to have the, the last little bit when it counts. Okay. Ed, has, has your opinion changed as the season's gone backwards and forwards? Uh, are you because when you came on originally, we asked you and you, you said it was a, a you thought it was going to be Lewis Hamilton. Um, ha, have, have you kept that decision the same or, or or do you think Max has got a shot now? Well, he certainly has got a shot, but <laughs> I mean, it's definitely sort of swung, but very kind of gently because it's always pretty much sort of 51 49 mm. uh, in, in favor of either one. <sighs> I'd probably maybe just lean that tiny bit towards Verstappen at the moment, just because I think there's a few question marks over Mercedes reliability still. And also that team didn't quite make the most of some of the opportunities they, they've had, but you could say the same about Red Bull at times, but it's, it's going to be so close. It's going to turn on a, on, on a few key moments uh-huh. on top of billions of just general decisions and uh, and, and choices that are made uh, as they, they go through. And we'll see it. We'll still see it swing from track to track. We'll go to Mexico. That should be Red Bull. Qatar uh, looks very good for Red Bull. Then you've got Interlagos, Abu Dhabi could be, could be quite close as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but very, very, very tricky to to kind of say with absolute certainty Saudi Arabia is good for Mercedes. So it all points to it being very, very, very even. My main hope is it's just not decided to the last half of the last race. That would be the, the ideal. It, it's looking like it could be the case, though, isn't it? You know, it's, it's very much looking like that could be the case. Um. Oh, well, that's pretty much all we've got to, to talk about today, then. Uh, I know people uh, are going to want to go home and get ready for getting ready for bed we're flying out to america tomorrow and i know uh tom's gonna get up early in the morning so thank you very much for coming to uh to speak to us today um before i go do you want to promote your podcast uh tom uh more than happy to yeah it's uh i'm uh i'm uh on the monkey seat podcast it's myself and my colleague carl we're uh, uh we're we're just basically two mates having a laugh really and uh talking about uh all things motorsport uh Mostly Formula One related, but we do talk about say W Series IndyCar and uh, and we and you know Formula Two, Formula Three as well. Uh, so if you, if you want a bit of a bit of a laid back, less professional version of what you're doing here, we'll be talking about other <laughs> stuff as well. Then uh, you're too come kind. And, <laughs> come, come and give us a listen. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Give a listen to the Monkey Seat Pod. I've definitely heard uh, quite a few of them, and you've had some good guests, good guests over the uh, over the time of your show as well. So listen to it, Monkey Seat Pod, at all your podcast streaming services. Ed, have you got something you want to promote? Anything you want to promote before we go? I'll promote some podcasts as well. The Race F1 podcast, which comes out at least weekly. We always do a race review that comes out late Sunday night or in the early hours of Monday. And also the race you bring back B10, which tells classic F1 stories. So those will be my promotions. I'm on the race, the race.com website, race-hyphen.com. So head there. I've probably used up all my uh, promotional entitlement then. No, that's fine. Absolutely no problem at all. Um, well, we are Everything F1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've got a Discord server and our website, www.everythingf1.com. All that's left for today. Thank you very much for Tom uh, from the Everything F1 podcast. Thanks, Tom. Anytime. Thanks very much to Tom from the Monkey Seat Pod. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to Ed. Uh, thanks for coming to speak to us today. That's a pleasure. Always happy to uh, turn up. Great. Yep. Yeah. No, we're always happy to have you on as well. So thank you very much from myself, from all of the team here. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week where we review the Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.